Welcome to the Sunday Sermon on Through the Bible. I'm so glad that you've joined us today for Dr. McGee's sermon in the days of youth. It's from the book of Ecclesiastes, by the way. If you're a regular listener, then you know that all these Sunday sermons were preached when Dr. McGee served as the pastor of the Church of the Open Door in downtown Los Angeles. So it's also about that time that Dr. McGee established a vision of reaching the whole world with the whole Word of God. And you know that vision got legs when we expanded in 1973 to include global broadcasts of Through the Bible. Our first language was Spanish. Today, you can listen to Through the Bible in more than 250 languages, and we're not done yet. So we thank God for Dr. McGee's vision, and today for the thousands of people who work and translate and support the program. So here's Greg Harris, Through the Bible's president. Greg, I thought it'd be good if we just take a look back, if you will, at how technology and how Through the Bible has rolled itself out, if you will. Originally, strictly on terrestrial radio, and even the delivery methods of getting it onto radio has changed. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, because looking back gives us a path forward. I think that's why it's important to do this. Because when you, I got to say, when you said 250 languages and we're not done yet, I mean, that just warms my heart like you have no idea. Because because we are excited, not about numbers per se, but about more and more people who have never heard through the Bible in their own language. But let's go way back to those early days. So 1967, Dr. McGee is just about to retire from the Church of the Open Door, and he's saying, I've I've done radio, by the way, since 1941. He was already on the radio. But he said, I think I want to teach the whole Bible systematically in this thing I'm going to call Through the Bible. And back then... How did how was it recorded? Yeah, the technology was reel to reel tapes. <laughs> yeah. Now, some of you people don't probably know what that <laughs> is, right. but it's basically this big yeah. reel, and you did reel to reel. And actually, I'm now dating myself because through the Bible was not always on the cutting edge. So I think for the first ten to twelve years, I was recording reel to reel tapes, wow. both in Pasadena and then when I eventually okay. moved to my house and recorded it there. My kids would go to sleep. They're now all late 20s and 30s, <laughs> yeah. uh, and I would quietly go into the room next to where they were sleeping, turn on the uh, the reel-to-reel and do my recordings. See, I did not, as long as we've been friends, I didn't know that, so thank you yeah. for sharing so that. So we started with that, yeah. and then in the 80s through the 90s, it was the cassette tape, yeah. and that's what we were doing. I can remember still going in to record, and there were, we had these custom-built uh, monstrosities of like six duplicators <laughs> yes. all in one and they were whizzing and humming and yeah. people were pulling stuff off and slapping them into boxes and they were going out and the radio stations would get them and I didn't know this that we would originally we were sending out reel to reels yes in big crates wooden boxes yeah yes. big crates and yeah. we would do 11 turns on those wow and I guess we decided it degraded over time yeah. so that's why we only did 11 <laughs> and then when we went to tapes we were doing 21 of those turns yeah. And then even after, this is funny, this reminds me of sending missionaries use tea bags. Yeah. We would send out those tapes to the missionaries afterwards. I don't yeah. know where they went. Yeah, but. like, we, we're, they're no good for us. You can, you can have them. So yeah. fortunately, some Forgive of those us. things have changed. Yeah, yeah. sorry. And then in the, in the 90s, we got into CDs. Yeah. In 94, we got our first broadcast computer yeah. and made the move to CDs. And of course, since the early 2000s and up until today, it's, it's all digital and it's satellite and yeah. internet. And so why this walk down memory lane? Because guess what? In another 10 years, we're going to be talking about, we used to have these things in our pocket called cell phones and now it's something else. And, and 
In a way, it matters. In another way, we don't care. All we want to do is get more and more people the teaching of Through the Bible. Yeah, and I think the other message that we just want to communicate with that is Through the Bible is, I mean, there was a point in time where the ministry, after Dr. McGee went home to be with the Lord, it was kind of a maintaining mode. You yes, know? Yeah. And we really did the minimum. And, yeah. and I really credit the pivot point. Really, Greg, is when you came on originally as the international, international director, director yeah. and to where we are now, the way we're using, utilizing, leveraging technology, not just, okay, yeah, we have an app, but all the different stuff. And we don't have time to go into it, but even taking control of our own content and doing it digitally in a warehouse, yeah. those of you that are familiar with cloud computing and all of the technology available with that, we've essentially built a, again, if you know technology, a Dropbox on steroids specifically built for Through the Bible. And the content and the way we deliver it, the visibility we see of where we're being successful. You mentioned Mm -hmm. in in an earlier program about Luganda and the Lugandan app going to... 80 countries. 80 countries. And we see that. Yeah. You know, with radio, you press play and you hope letters come in. You can pay for expensive, uh, you know, uh, uh, surveys to figure out who's listening. And it's kind of mushy data. Now we know who's listened, where they've listened and what they're, you know, what they're listening to. Well, thank you for your kind words. I could tell you this has been the greatest privilege of my life. And I've been in vocational uh, ministry, you know, either pastor or leading a parachurch for over 35 years. And this has been the most exciting, you know, yay, verily fun. I mean, yeah. it's not all fun and games, but boy, it's just such an amazing uh, journey that we're all on together. And it's all fueled by, I think what's important for people to understand is, we are not building a kingdom. In fact, we, we've gotten smaller. Yeah. All this technology, we had 55 staff at the height of the, the, the reel-to-reel tapes yes. in the boxes. Yes. We are now, right now, we're somewhere around 10 salaried staff. Yeah. And okay. we are doing probably 10x ministry <laughs> in terms of the, the international outreach. And so I think, I think this is really cool. We were going to read some letters, but I, this is really turning into a very personal time for you and me to share our hearts because you're chairman of the board. Not everybody that hears us knows that. I'm the president. So, you know, we, we take this seriously, but we also are just fueled by this passion the 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 idea that there's somebody out there that speaks a language that has never engaged the bible yeah. and that we're able to help that person that's yeah. what gets us up every morning yeah. also you i mean we we come from a, a an english centric background where there's yeah. so much content our focus to get into these smaller heart languages of people is it doesn't make economic sense for a lot of people to get into yeah. those languages for whatever content it right. is whether it's a tv show or anything else so you put solid bible teaching and you put the Bible in the hands of those folks, and even if they don't believe in Jesus Christ yet, they're interested. They're interested, yeah. and they're going to listen. And God has continued to bless that. And that would be there's so many things we want you to pray for, but pray that as we go into these smaller languages, that God would use that opportunity to bring a word to these people that they would trust Christ as a result of the efforts of through the Bible. Greg, why don't you pray for us as we begin our study? Yeah, Father, uh, our hearts are elevated as we lift our eyes and our vision to what you've done with this ministry over decades and how you've let us use technology to be more efficient and to be more effective. And Lord, we just ask you to continue to guide us as we take the whole word to the whole world. In Jesus' name, amen. Now here's the Sunday Sermon in the Days of Youth from Dr. J. Vernon McGee. I want to turn tonight to the 12th chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes and read this rather unusual portion of this book. In fact, this 
portion is a little different than the rest of the book, and it's all very strange reading. Will you listen to this? Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them, while the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain, in the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble, and the strong men shall bow themselves, and the grinders cease because they're few, and those that look out of the windows be darkened, and the doors shall be shut in the streets when the sound of the grinding is low, and he shall rise up at the voice of the bird, and all the daughters of music shall be brought low. And when they shall be afraid of that which is high, and fear shall be in the way, and the almond tree shall flourish, and the grasshopper shall be a burden, and desire shall fail, because man goeth to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets, or ever the silver cord be loose, or the golden bowl be broken, or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, all is vanity. We're speaking tonight on the subject in the days of youth. God has put on the highway that every young man and every young woman starts down one word. He puts that one word in neon lights. He puts that one word on a billboard. He puts that one word where every young person can see it when he begins life. That one word is remember, remember. God says that when you begin life as a young person, there's something for you to remember. You to remember your Creator in the days of your youth. There are two reasons for that that I think are very obvious. God says that you're to remember your Creator in the days of youth because, first of all, on the subject of salvation, your chances of being saved are greater. More people turn to Christ when they're young people than at any other time. I tonight do not have the latest statistics. I have been wanting to get from the Billy Graham organization, for I'm sure that they have the statistics of uh, what proportion are young people that are coming. I know that when I was with Billy Graham in New York City, the night they had that wonderful youth meeting, he said to me that night, we have here the largest turnout that we've ever had, and they are young people, and he says most of those that are coming are young people. Now, the Coles statistics reveal today that your chance of coming to Christ is greater 
when you're young than when you're old. May I put it like this? If you are 80 years old tonight, your chance of being saved, if you have not been saved, is practically nil. Honestly, there's not much chance of you being saved. The figures reveal that. You're not apt to turn to Christ. If you down through the years have been stiff-arming Him and you come tonight to 80 years of age, I'll be very candid with you. Your chance of coming to Christ is not very great. But it's not impossible at all. When Youth for Christ began here on the West Coast, it began in Pasadena, the Civic Auditorium. I never shall forget that first night. It was a meeting that we said was geared for young people, and young people were there. But do you know who was the first person who came forward? Dr. Harry Rimmer preached that night. The first person who came forward that night was a man 80 years of age. That was a Youth for Christ meeting. And you know, I've never forgotten that. I thought, my, here the Lord was uh, telling us to gear everything to youth, and then all of a sudden he goes into reverse, and he says, I just want you to sh show you that an old person can be saved, although it's unusual. I got a letter some time ago from a lady in San Diego. It was a very thrilling letter. She said, you know, my father was over 90 years old when he passed away. And in his last sickness, it was the first time I could get him to church, and that was to your service by radio. And she said, I got him to listen to the daily radio program at noon, and then I got him to listen on Sunday morning. And she said, one Sunday morning, when you gave the invitation and asked those who wanted to accept Christ to put up their hand, she said, I was busy in the kitchen. And she said, I just been praying my father would come to Christ. He hadn't, and I'll be honest with you. She says, I was discouraged, but I went by the door. And she says, there he sat in his wheelchair with his hand in the air. She says, I just rushed in. And I said to him, I said, Dad, do you really want to take Christ as your Savior? And she said, I had the great joy of sitting there with the Scripture and of leading my father to the Lord, and he says he was past 90 years of age. It's not impossible tonight for an old person to come to Christ, but my beloved, may I say to you, your chances of coming to Christ when you reach old age are practically nil. God puts on the highway, remember, remember, Remember thy Creator in the days of thy youth. Remember, how many of you accepted Christ before you were 21 years of age? How many of you accepted Christ after you were past 60 years of age? And that's the reason God says, don't wait, young person. Do that thing now, because every day you postpone it, you make it more difficult to turn to Christ. It's interesting how God in the past has always turned to young folk. He took Joseph as a boy. I think Joseph was 17 when God first called him. Moses was just a young fella. 
Gideon was a young fellow. David was just a shepherd boy. Jeremiah calls himself a child. I think he was probably 17 or 18 years of age. Some think only 14. Saul of Tarsus was a young man. Timothy was a young man. And a Scotch preacher turned in his resignation years ago with this comment. He said, I feel my ministry here has come to an end because this year we have had only one conversion, and it's been that of we, Bobby Moffat. <laughs> That's the best year that preacher ever had or any preacher ever had. For Bobby Moffat happened to be the great missionary who opened Africa to the gospel. May I say the little fellow that came to Christ, he'd bypassed. He didn't think it was important that this one little fellow who had come to Christ was important, but God was going to use that young man. No wonder God is put on the highway. Remember, remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth. Then there's another reason that God put that one word on the highway of life for young people. In the matter of service, you have something to offer when you're young. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies living sacrifice to God. What do you have when you get old? How many people have I heard here at the Church of the Open Door saved. We had an elderly gentleman saved here some time ago, came forward, and he, he's talked to me about it since. He says, well, what can I do for God? Well, candidly, he can do very little. He's reached the end of life. He hasn't very much to offer God. Dwight L. Moody came home one night, and his family said, well, what sort of a service did you have? Well, he said, I had two and a half conversions tonight. And they said to him, you mean you had two adults and one child? No, he said, I had two young people and one adult. The two young people, they were the whole ones. They had a whole life to give to Christ. The half was an old man that came to Christ. He didn't have much to offer him. Yes, he got saved. And it's wonderful to be saved even on a deathbed. It's a wonderful thing. And how wonderful it was that the thief on the cross turned to Christ. But what did he have to offer the Lord Jesus Christ? Not much in the way of service. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth. Now, the writer here, Solomon, who tasted every pleasure that this world has to offer. There is not a person in Hollywood, there is not a playboy in America are on the continent of Europe or in South America that even touched the things that Solomon touched. He knew what it was to taste the pleasures of this life. And he was in a position, by the way, to be able to taste them. And his conclusion was, vanity of vanities, all is vanity, saith the Lord. He said that after you've gone through this life and lived for self, and you've satisfied every hunger you've got, you've satiated every thirst you've got, and you have taken care of all of your whims, you still stand nothing in the world but a failure in the sight of God and in the sight of man. 
Now he gives here a picture of old age. I think it's one of the saddest pictures, but every young person ought to look at this because this, this is your picture. 30, 40, 50, 60 years from tonight. And this is the picture of a great many folks that are here and those listening in tonight. You know exactly what Solomon is talking about here when he gives this picture of old age. He goes on by saying this, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Now, I don't care what you say. Old age does not lend itself to a time of pleasure. I talked to an old person the other night down in San Diego. They brought her to the service. Poor dear thing, barely. She says, I've been listening to you on the radio, and I wanted to see how you looked. And she came in that night. And I said to her, I said, how do you feel? She said, Dr. McGee, there's never a day goes by, but what I'm not in constant pain and misery. Old age is no pleasure. Oh, I heard Gypsy Smith before he died, right here on this platform after he'd married the last time, and many of you laughed then. He said, I am in my 80s, and I feel just as young as I did when I was 20. And he kicked up his heels here, and everybody laughed. You remember? But he died right after that of old age. He wasn't 20 years old. He was an old man. Oh, my beloved, tonight, this is the picture of old age. When the days come, when you say, I have no pleasure in them. God says, I give you three score and ten. And then if you're able to go four score, <laughs> he said, you just have to say, well, boy, I'm not sure I, I was glad I got the last ten. How many saints tonight listening to me shut in? You wish God would take you home. This life is no longer joy. It's a burden to you. And he'll take you home one of these days. That'll be the most joyful day for you too, by the way. Now will you listen to him as he paints this picture for us? While the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain. Have you noticed that the older you get, that the moon begins to lose its luster? You know that moon I referred to this morning, that Georgia moon that when I was a student in seminary that I looked at? <laughs> I was in Georgia last spring. I don't know what's happened to the moon down there. Not as bright as it was. I don't know. It's not as thrilling as it used to be. <laughs> These things start getting darker. They don't seem to be as bright as they were. They don't seem to be as thrilling as they were a few years ago. 
And then the clouds return after the rain. You know, in youth, you go through a, oh, you say, I've had a rough time. Then you come through it, and it's a long time before you have another experience. But when you get older, you say, well, boy, I just got out of this one. Here I am again, right in it. The clouds return after the rain, don't they? Always come back right after the rain, out of one storm into the, nut, into the other. Now listen to this picture. In the days when the keepers of the house shall tremble. You know what the keepers of the house are? They are these two legs. They keep our house. They tremble. Have you ever noticed the old man or the old person going along? You know, the keepers of the house are trembling. In the days when the keepers of the house shall tremble, and the strong men shall bow themselves. The strong men of the show. I sat with a, a widow of a preacher out in Pasadena. She showed me a picture of her. She says, you know, my husband was a fine young preacher. She showed me his picture, fine-looking young man, shoulders erect. I had his funeral. She said, Dr. McGee, you knew him when he was all stooped over. The strong men, they had already bowed themselves. <laughs> they were not erect anymore. It's a picture of old age, you see. Will you notice? He goes on. The strong men shall bow themselves, and the grinders cease because they're few. That's the teeth. And in that day, they couldn't get any bridge work or false teeth. They just didn't have them. The grinders cease because they're few. And those that look out of the windows be darkened. <laughs> I don't see as well as I used to. I, I, I used to have 20-20 vision, but I don't see as well as I used to. Those that look out of the windows be darkened. And the old person says, who is that across the street? Well, that's Mr. So-and-so. Oh, it is. I couldn't make him out. <laughs> Those that look out of the windows are darkened now, you see. Now will you notice the next? And the doors shall be shut in the streets. What'd you say? Ears get stopped up. Don't hear like I used to. What would you say, sonny boy? <laughs> you ever hear an old person say that? Uh, speak a little louder, will you please? The doors shall be shut in the streets. Then when the sound of the grinding, and the translation here should be, when the sound of the grinding woman is low. You know what the grinding woman is? It's that voice. Have you ever heard the voice of a person as they begin to get old, the man that had the very strong voice? He says, now, sonny boy. <laughs> the sound of the grinding woman is low. He doesn't speak like he once spoke. 
and he shall rise up at the voice of the bird. Little things worry him. The uh, mother says, Willie, go outside and play. You are worrying grandpa. He doesn't like all this noise you playing at his feet. The sound of a bird bothers him now, and those things didn't disturb him anymore. Again, I talked to a dear lady out here, dear sweet saint of God, and that's what she is. The sound of the birds beginning to bother her. She says, Dr. McGee, did you know that at night there are those that stand at my door and listen? Now, why they do it, I don't know, but she's, they're there. They're real to her. The sound of the bird is beginning to disturb her, you see. That's the picture of old age. And if you're beginning to notice those things, friends, it's, a, it's an indication of something that's taking place. And will you notice, he goes on, and all the daughters of music shall be brought low. <laughs> the daughters of music. Now, you may have been a wonderful soprano when you were in your teens. But my dear lady, when you get to 70, you are no longer soprano. The daughters of music now, they have retired. And that's the reason that the older person can't sing like the younger person. It's the reason I love this youth choir. They can sing now. But we don't want any of you in the youth choir 50 years from tonight, I'll tell you that. We don't want you there. Because you can be sure of one thing. You don't need anyone when the daughters of music are brought low. And no longer can you... Can you hit that high note that you once hit? Now, will you notice? Also, when they shall be afraid of that which is high. That verse worries me because I do not like to fly in a plane. And an older person generally does not like height at all. And fears shall be in the way, afraid of what is in the future. And the almond tree shall flourish. Now, the almond tree, when it flourishes, it has the most beautiful blossoms on it, and they are snow white. And the almond tree is the hair. You can remember, many of you can remember, when the one that you married, your mate, beautiful raven tresses, but they're gray tonight. You remember when you married him, he had blonde, wavy locks. And young lady, remember this. One of these days, either those wavy blonde locks will turn gray or they'll all fall out. <laughs> they'll do one of the two. The almond tree shall flourish. And then will you notice this? The grasshopper shall be a burden. Little things become a tremendous responsibility. And that's the reason that many organizations today, and I'm told that 
Many organizations now are doing this. They're insisting that every man that's in an executive position retire at 65 and get out. The grasshopper becomes a burden. You start making yourself a nuisance. I rode in New York State, into upper New York State, with a man who had been head of a mission. He said, my mission was founded by one of the most godly men, a young man that went out to the mission field, gave himself to Christ, and what a work he did. Then he got old, and he wouldn't let go. <laughs> and in two years, he wrecked what it took a lifetime to build. The grasshopper shall become a burden. And that mission, and now other missions, our denominations today are doing it. A man at 65 should retire and get away because, you see, he starts letting grasshoppers become burdens. And he starts causing trouble. <laughs> Takes little things and builds them up. My friend... Even in God's work, if the grasshopper is becoming a burden to you, you ought to let go. <laughs> because that's the picture of old age. The grasshopper shall be a burden. Imagine a grasshopper. But if he's becoming a burden to you. Now, will you notice, he goes on to say, and desire shall fail. You're no longer the person that you were. You started out young, and God gives to each one of us when we start out just so much of the energy of life. And then after we've served our purpose, as a very fine Christian doctor said to me in Pasadena, he said, after we have reproduced, after we brought a family into the world, after we fulfilled our mission for God, then our teeth start falling out, our hair starts coming out, we start getting old. God's through with us. We ought to know that. We're getting near to the end of life. God's speaking to us. And my friend tonight, if you're getting arthritis, you ought to thank God for it. He's trying to tell you, you won't be here much longer. He's trying to say to you tonight, if you're becoming old and your hair's getting gray, he's trying to tell you tonight, wake up before it's too late. You won't be here much longer. Those are gentle, gentle admonitions from the Lord speaking to us. Now I must move along. Will you listen to this? Because men goeth to his long home, and the mourners go about the street. There'll be a death one of these days. Or ever the silver cord be loosed. The silver cord is the spinal cord. Now these are not biological terms. The medical fraternity do not use these terms 
But these are terms for us that are laymen to understand, and they're, they're lovely. The silver cord is the spinal cord. Or the golden bowl be broken. The golden bowl is the head. Or the pitcher be broken at the fountain. That's the lungs. Or the wheel broken at the cistern. That's the heart. God says, when you start getting old, these different organs of your body are going to break down. And you may go with heart trouble or lung trouble or you may fall or you may have a stroke. This bowl may be broken up here or the spinal cord and again you may have a stroke. Those are the things that may come to you in your old age. And when that happens, then shall the dust return to the earth as it was and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. And if you have lived for just this life, and you've made no preparation or arrangement for eternity, and you come to the end of life, and at the beginning you did not heed God's side, remember, then he says, Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, all is vanity. Honestly, life's not worth living if you're just going to live it for the satisfying of the flesh because you're in a body today, this old earthly tabernacle of ours, it's wearing out. Someone asked John Quincy Adams, the second president of the United States, they said to him, how are you getting along? <laughs> oh, he says, I'm getting along fine. But this house that I live in, it's coming apart. The shingles are coming off the roof. The foundation is falling out and rotting out. And the whole thing is ready to cave in. But I'm all right. I'm right with God. I want to close with this little story because it illustrates this first word, remember. When I was doing graduate work at Dallas Seminary, there were several students, including Dr. Arthur Whiting, who came over on the end of the week, and uh, we took certain classes, both morning and evening, on Thursday and Friday. On Thursday night, I stayed at the seminary with another student who was a pastor in Fort Worth. And he and I always went down into Dallas and had dinner together, talked about our ministry and that sort of thing, walked down the street, got back in a car, went out to the seminary and studied. That was a, always a Thursday night ritual for us. One Thursday night after we came out of the cafeteria, we were walking down the street and saw a crowd gathered in front of a theater. And when we got there, we saw there was a wrecked automobile that they had out in front. It was to illustrate some movie. I don't know what it was. But here was this wrecked automobile. And I give you my word, I've seen wrecked automobiles since then, but I do not believe I've ever seen one that was as completely demolished as that old car was. It looked like it had hit a telephone pole and actually had been wrapped around it. 
And that's what I was told had happened. When I got back out to seminary with this other friend of mine, we were telling some of the fellows that were sitting out in front about what we'd seen. And one of the fellows said, do you want to know the story? And said, yes. Well, he says, I teach a young life group out here in a certain area, a certain school. They meet in a certain home. He said, the other evening, we had several that were converted, several fellas and several girls. And one of the girls was going with a fella, and he, they were a pretty fast crowd, and uh, she attempted to win him. And he said, oh, no, I'm not interested. And so that evening for the Bible club, they said, we'll come by and get you and take you over there. And she, she permitted them to. And on the way over, she tried to win them for Christ, the other couple and the fella that she'd been going with. The last thing she said when she got there to this place where the meeting was to be held, won't you get out and come in and just hear the Bible lesson one time? And the last thing she heard the fella say was, I got plenty of time for religion later on. They went down the highway less than two miles, and that car was wrapped around the pole. All three were killed. God had put on the highway for them, as he's put on the highway for every young person. Remember, remember, now thy creator in the days of thy youth. Make your decision for Christ now. Because if you are here tonight and 80 years old and beyond, I don't want to be a pessimist. I don't think you're going to come to Christ. No, I don't. But if you're 18 tonight, there's a good chance if you haven't come. You know, regardless of whether you're 18 or 80, today's message is clear. We all need Jesus. If you haven't yet made the decision to follow him, I would urge you to do so today. It's the best decision that you'll ever make. As Dr. McGee's story of the car crash so poignantly illustrates, the time is now. We don't know what tomorrow holds, do we? And the decision to give your life to him is too precious. It's too important to wait even one more day. If you've made the choice to call on the name of Jesus Christ today. And if you'd like more information on how to talk with God, you know we'd love to give you some free resources to read and listen to on your own time. To download them immediately, just visit ttb.org and search for How Can I Know God or call 1-800-65-BIBLE and we'll send a couple of these resources to you by mail. Again, that's ttb.org and search for How Can I Know God or call 1-800-65-BIBLE. And if God's using this program in your life, would you write and tell us? You know, hearing from you, our listeners, is one of the greatest joys of this ministry. So please share how studying God's Word together is making a difference in your life. You can email BibleBus at ttb.org, or you can mail a note to Box 7100, Pasadena, California, 91109. In Canada, you can write to Box 25325, London, Ontario, N6C, 
6B1 or leave a message at 1-800-65-BIBLE or on our Facebook page. Now, as our time together ends, don't forget to join us this week on Through the Bible's Daily Program. This week, we're going to conclude Dr. McGee's study of Ecclesiastes and then begin an in-depth study of the beautiful and mysterious book of Song of Solomon. I'm Steve Schwetz, and as we go, I leave you with this blessing from 2 Thessalonians 3.16. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. The Lord be with you all. Join us each weekday for our five-year daily study through the whole Word of God. Check for times on this station or look for Through the Bible in your favorite podcast store and always at ttb.org.